James Bond. Charming, sophisticated secret agent. <laughs> Shaken, but not disturbed. <laughs> All right, fellas, what's up? The often duplicated, never actually redone properly opening to the spy who loved me. Here we are, episode 10, Bond 10. Shaken Not Stirred, definitive James Bond movie podcast, the most influential movie chain ever to happen. Here's a whole bunch of idiots ready to talk about it. Obviously, that is not Roger Moore going off a cliff in the iconic scene. However, it is uh, Xander Cage as Triple X, somehow using skis in the middle of summer in a jungle somewhere, obviously paying homage to the movie we are about to talk about. What's up, boys? What's going on, Uh, Mike? It's too hard not to bring out Xander Cage as Agent Triple X on this one. It's too oh, obvious. Sure. So yeah. much great material from this movie. I've I've never seen it. I've never seen Triple X or in the sequel. I think there's a sequel to it. Never seen it. It's like watching those White House Down, Angels, Fallen movies. <laughs> not really great, yeah. but like you're gonna entertain you for two hours mindlessly. Great watch if you got nothing to do. Okay. You know. Pretty much a Vin Diesel movie in a nutshell. Uh, Pretty much. Like Fast and Furious 18. So, Supo, I like your background, The Spy Who Shagged Me. I'm a fan. Yeah, uh, pretty impressed with that one. Probably. This, i definitely seen this movie before The Spy Who Loved Me. I don't know about you guys. Um, I, saw I would the, say they were probably close, I would say. I saw it in theaters, so. Uh, yeah, I definitely well, saw I'm a little Spy older than, than all of y'all, so I definitely saw Spy Who Loved Me before uh, Spy Who Shagged Me. I'm just a big Austin Powers fan, I guess. I, oh, I'm a big fan, but I was, I was watching Bond uh, before some of these came out. Yeah, you got a few years on us, but... Well, how old are you, Mike? 34. Okay, I feel better now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Being 32, I feel a little bit better now. No, yeah, I got a couple on you, pal. I, I, was, uh, I had cognitive <laughs> dissidence before you did, my friend. Trust me. Oh, <laughs> uh, here we are. Spy Who Loved Me, a whole new era in the Bond world. Harry Saltzman has left us. He sold off his ownership of Eon Productions. This is the first movie uh, executive produced entirely by Cubby Broccoli or somebody related to Cubby Broccoli going forward. But Cubby Broccoli's one done entirely by himself. Your original screenwriters um, are gone. Your multiple-time directors are gone. We are embarking on a brand new era of James Bond. Lewis Gilbert, director. Richard Maybaum is back, but Christopher Wood led us in the writing process. Obviously, Spy Who Loved Me, um, one of Fleming's books. Fleming actually, this is one of Fleming's most hated books that he ever wrote. Interestingly enough, from the novel perspective, James Bond doesn't appear until like the third act of the book. The whole thing is actually written from Triple X's perspective. Unique perspective. They kind of redid it for, for the movie. Boys, Spy Who Loved Me. But uh, starting with your point of knew everybody, at one point they didn't even know the direction of their own series because if you catch it at the end, James Bond will return in For Your Eyes Only is stated. But it switched to Moonraker because that Star Wars thing came out. Never heard of it. But So the new people brought in so many good ideas, but there was some uh, slight confusion. But I think an overall great movie 
close about that. Soup, I agree. I think the overall plot is very similar to You Only Live Twice. The threat of nuclear war between two major nations. You have the capturing of the submarines and pitting them against each other in a layer, whether it be in a volcano in You Only Live Twice, but underwater here for um, Spy Who Loved Me. I think overall, I scored it a seven for plot. I thought that you had some great exotic destinations in Egypt, the Mediterranean, Austria, kind of globetrotting all over, probably the most that they've done to this point in the series. And I think I think it was just, I think, a better execution, I guess, of all their plot points and all the tertiary plot points compared to You Only Live Twice. And, you know, it helped carry the film a little bit. Yeah, it's... Uh... Your classic case of what we've seen before, world domination, capturing some nukes. In this case, it's some submarines pinning two countries against each other. To your point, it's better execution. And I think the from the supporting cast to the Bond villain to the Bond girl, and even Bond's performance here compared to You Only Live Twice, it's exponentially better in every single way, from the plot down to the cast. Um, yeah, okay. yeah, I think the so, other thing – go ahead, Trey. You can finish. No, no. I mean, just I don't. I don't really have much else to say. I mean, we're going to get into it, and we'll get to that later. I'll be the first yeah. one to say it in this episode. We're going to get to it later, but there's a lot of stuff to dig into when it comes to I'll the cast. Say the other thing that you know carries this higher than you only live twice are all the tertiary points. So you've got Anya's dead lover and that yeah. aspect of the plot and how that, right. you know, impacts the relationship between Bond and Triple X and yep. th- things of that nature where they, yeah. they build a little bit more of these like subtle plot lines inside of the big it, overall plot. Yeah, there's inner conflicts involved in this one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look, I'm high on this movie top to bottom. This would be the highest movie that I've scored so far. I'm an 8.5 on the plot. For the first time, this is our. This is your best one since Goldfinger. I'll go on a limb and say that. And for the first time in Bond, you have a definitive A, B, and C plot. You've got your villain who is kidnapping nuclear weapons to point them at different countries in order to start nuclear war. You've got two countries that normally hate each other, are partnering with one another in order to stop this from happening. And then your third plot is you have Bond kills Anya's lover, not knowing about it. And there's a, you know, partial love story, partial revenge story all at the same time. So you have all of these things flushed out, I think, pretty successfully for the first time in a long time in in Bond, right? You're starting to see a, a greater development of of characters here, a greater development of plot. There's, you know, there's reference to Bond's wife being killed. So we're now bringing the depth of character in here. I thought this was executed very, very well. Yeah, Mike, I, um, I'm with you here. I scored this overall plot the highest since Goldfinger. It didn't really quite get to Goldfinger's height as far as the overall plot for me. It was a little bit below, but um, nonetheless, the highest score I've I've given for overall plot since that movie. So yeah, same. I gave it eight point five as well, Mike. Looking at uh, Goldfinger, even nine point five. I gave this one eight point five, just one point shy. I'm in the eight point five club too. So M- moving on, I think this is Roger Moore's best performance as Bond, no question. I think he's finally figured the character out. He's out of the shadow of Connery. Um, he's figuring out who he, who he wants to be as Bond. There's some jovialness, but I think this is the darkest Bond he plays. He takes the character to an interesting place. 
Again, I think I referenced it a few minutes ago, but you get reference to his wife being killed. I mean, obviously I'm jumping ahead here, but the murder scene of Stromberg is just utterly ruthless. Obviously you get the comedy in of it that he shoots him under the table and then he just starts walking towards this guy and pumps five rounds into him. I mean, you've got a, a really well-developed character in, in Bond. I'm an 8.5 on Moore's performance here. There's not a lot of there's, I don't think there's too much here to criticize in him. You know, I, I think this is his best performance of the role. I think it's finally, this is the movie he put a stamp down and was like, this is this is the, the bomb that I want to be. I agree, Mike. I think this is more at his peak. Like you said, you brought up all good points. Um, he's polished, you know, the bomb to how he sees it. He's witty. Probably the quickest one-liners for a more bond, I think, in this film. And some real good ones. I think overall, I mean, I give him an eight, but I think this is this is the best Moore is going to get. The eight is on par with what I gave Lazenby for Honor Majesties. I think there were comparable performances here, but overall doesn't reach the heights of, of Pete Connery, in my opinion. So first three Connery films are all higher than this, but nonetheless, a great performance from Roger Moore. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, looking at my scores, this will probably be the highest scored more film for me mm -hmm. and man dude he looks so sharp in that uniform mm -hmm. like that's what when i think of this movie i think of him in that uniform that and in yeah yes I mean, something different than like your normal tuxedo more pulls yep. it off man Get, Look, give him like they do a really good job with more if yeah. he's not wearing the military uniform He's also wearing like the white trousers with the blazer with gold yeah. buttons, but double breasted. So it looks military in and of itself. So his mm -hmm. casual wear looks military. Like he looks authoritarian. It's top to bottom. This is peak bomb. I mean, you got a full stamp. I, I said it before. He stamps down. This is the fucking bomb that I'm going to be. Yeah. yeah. And I downhill say, from here, but. Right. I would, I would dare to say this this Bond film to date, of course, he's not doing the stunts, but we're seeing Bond do things stunt-wise that we haven't seen before in this sure. film. Like so, my comments, brass balls, and then he used that one girl's dress as a bandage, which is pretty <laughs> badass. Yeah, I mean, like, again, we're going to get to it, but that opening scene where he's getting with the chick and then country calls, he's out the door, and then the awesome music that plays, and then parachute, UK parachute, Yep. The British fly parachute. I mean, that's the most iconic. When I think of James Bond, that's top three images that in my head that I think of. I mean, you want to you go there now? Should we just go there? Should we go I, straight straight to opening sequence and song? I mean, we, I, mean, I think we have to. Uh, we have. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All it's right. so epic. All right. That backflip. No big deal. Nice showing off. I like the inside grab, too. He had to get rid of those skis, man. Didn't want to pierce his parachute. Give it 30 years later. It's so fucking good. It's so good. I mean, in, in the rewatch, the only thing I think that really diminishes a lot of this movie, and again, I'm trying to look at it through the, what, 1973 was this one? Yeah. If I remember correctly. Early 70s. Oh, sorry, 1977. So in trying to look through it in that lens, the background music kills me. I love it. 
I love that. Oh, that that that's the one. And I tried to I tried to set it aside, but like it doesn't age well. Like John Barry's orchestra scores from 1960 until now age well. The the techno chase scene music that gets played during the the ski scene. Yeah. During the the during the Lotus helicopter fight, which is phenomenal. It just it does not age well. It does it. not age well. I'm okay. such a fan of it. It's so unique, and it like when I hear the music, I, I think of this movie. Like I think of like disco, like '70s music, mm-hmm. and I think of like film. I think of the Spy Who Loved Me. I don't think the the score behind it took away from anything no. in its opening opening sequence for no, me. No, no, no. I look, uh, it's the highest I scored an opening sequence. Right, I scored this one nine point five. It's phenomenal. It's iconic. And, and it just my at the top, it's great. Granted, there's some cheesy stunts, but like you get like right out of the gate, you get Bond girl, girl turns on Bond. You get Russian spies chasing and shooting AKs at him going down a mountain. All of a sudden, his ski pole is a gun. You don't even need Q to give it to him. Flies off the side of a mountain. And what's killer about that whole thing is as soon as he takes off, they cut the score, which is fantastic cinematography. And apparently, yeah. I, I was reading some stuff that, like, when this first aired in, in theaters, people actually audibly gasped at the scene. And there was, like, standing ovations in the first five minutes of the movies. I almost wanted to put the ski chase into the quintessential chase in this film. And it happened in the first five minutes. I it did. Was great, it was I, a great I did. scene. It did not happen. Yeah. yeah um, you have to. You have to. I considered it, but I scored mostly based on the other car chase sure. scene. But I gave it consideration. But... For me, the other part of this, too, is your introduction to Triple X is the same introduction you're getting to Bond in this film. She's rolling mm-hmm. over after banging a dude. Yeah. Taking a call, you know? like yeah. You're thinking it's, it's, it's amazing. You're thinking the, the, it's film the, the, and it's the music, music yeah. box radio, another gadget right out of the front. Right. Bond's and, and, watch with the teletype, another gadget. My gadget score through this in this movie is through the fucking roof. Yeah. I'll I mean, fight every one of you on this one. You hear, you hear it come in, and it's Agent Triple X, and you're like, who the hell is Triple X? You think, like, Bond's banging this chick, and it's really just another agent. Yep. Yes. You know? And then it just adds that it, this is, like, the female counterpart through mm-hmm. Bond in this entire film. I scored it. I scored an, a nine. It ticked every single box for me. The only thing that kept it from being a ten, as much as I love this song, which I can't get enough of it. Like, the more I listen to it, the more I yes. love it. Yes. But... If this film fell flat on its face, this song would have also fell flat on its face. I think this is a phenomenal, I think it's a good song. I think this movie needed, though, an upbeat Bond song. I think that would have taken it to another level. I think this song is, I, I, think, I think Carly Simon is wonderful here, but I, I think, that, I just think there needed to be something a little bit more up, upbeat. Baby, you're the baby. Looking, but somehow you found me. I tried to hide from your love, but like heaven above me, the sky above me is keeping all my secrets safe tonight. Great song. I I disagree. I think I think this song was perfect for this film. But it was perfect because the film did really well. If the film was like You Only Live Twice, I think the song would have floundered with it. 
Probably. I think they go hand in hand here. Again, I'm trying to take a step back and, you know, in a vacuum, just as a song, it's a great song. Does it do great as part of how the scene opens up? Of course. I mean, again, I'm I'm sky high here on this, right? I'm I'm a 9.5 on this one. But when you look at it over the course compared to all these other bonds, if you had something, if you had a, a big brass intro, gun barrel, ski chase, guy flies off the side of a mountain, and you open into a slow power ballad versus like, you know, something a little bit more upbeat, I think it sets a very different tone for this movie. I'm being nitpicky because this movie could have been damn near perfect. That's the only reason I bring that up. Yeah, I, this is a top three song for me. Mike, I don't know, you're a crazy person. I, <laughs> I, I, I love this song. I think it's perfect. Um, I gave it 9.8. I love the opening sequence. I love how Bond's just leaving the chick, like, yo, peace. I got to go save the country. Let me just go ski. Let me just go outrun all these Russians. Let me parachute off this with my UK flag. And this song is so epic. Carly Simon nails it. Probably my number two song behind Live and Let Die, honestly. This is so, my highest score in an opening sequence with following Live and Let Die. So Yeah. I don't even know what I scored Live and Let Die, but I would, I would say to this point, as far as if you're talking opening scene, and song as like a combo. I like it better than Live and Let Die. I like Live and Let Die's song better, but talking the opening sequence, the opening scene, and the song as like a combo, I'm going uh, Spider Love Me. I was at a 10.0. It's my favorite song, and I will fight about it. And I think it could be, it could be a good- <laughs> Who are you fighting, bro? It could be a good bond <laughs> theme. Fighting? But every single movie uses song. I'm sold on it, and it was a first Bond song to not be uh, named after the movie directly. Yeah, and, and Super, it's, it Number was nominated one. for an Oscar. It, at first one, so far, I had that in my fun facts, but yeah, awesome. Yeah. And I think, to go back, I think, like, the overall score was also nominated for an Oscar. Like, So that's why, I, maybe I should have been born in the 70s or, like, lived through the 70s. So that, this, the music is so funny to me. Like, that opening music, like... <laughs> The lyric just fits so well. It fits so well. It's so funny. Like, I crack up every single time. That just, it, could, it just didn't do it for me, though. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, yeah. it just took so like I just kept bumping on it so hard. Like, it was, the cinematography is so good that I was able to ignore some of the music. But it really was just pretty brutal. I was in on it. I yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I'm no. so in on it. But, all right. So, we, we skip Bond Girl. We want our Bond well, we skip Bond Villain. You got to go back to villain. I got some Blofeld vibes from that guy. Stromberg. Yeah. He had had Lago's adopted shocks. Pretty sure he owned the Yankees at one point. Or is that uh, Steinbrenner? Insert Mr. Stromberg. It was like three inches big, that model. Yeah. Honestly, guys, I might play middleman Trey in this. I, he didn't, he didn't really do it for me, but his, his layer was so awesome. I gave him a 7.5 because Atlantis is awesome. It's awesome. It's probably one of the best layers that we've seen. But he he just didn't do it for me. I feel like uh, you could have got anybody, anybody to play that guy. Disagree. Trey, I, I agree with you. I scored Bond Villain a six here. Um, I did love Atlantis. Yeah. Um, but, like – you Another, can't tell me this guy is in a tier with Goldfinger or Scaramanga. You can't even tell me this guy's in a tier with Largo. No. 
Um, he's obsessed with sharks. Another villain. Right. For sharks. Um, I would argue at that point. I think this guy shits on Largo. Largo needs Spectre. This guy is a standalone villain, villain who clearly has as much money as anybody needs. Now, my only fault with him is like Goldfinger, they say that he's a legitimate businessman with multiple schmelting things all across. He's got millions in the 60s. They don't define how Stromberg has his money. So this guy finds two of the top scientists to invent submarine tracking, a submarine tracking device that nobody else has. He has now outsmarted multiple governments to capture their nuclear submarines to point them against one another. Couple that with the fact that the guy's got arguably one of the best layers, and the whole point of it is to build an underwater civilization because he's going to force nuclear war against the world fuck you this guy is one of the best bond villains by far top to bottom you don't need a lot of backing you clearly know the guy's a complete psychopath just by the by the way he is portrayed as an actor the guy's got a 30-foot table with a giant gun on the end of it i mean he's hardly right this is is a top quality villain here i i don't see it i mean listen for me this was this was a lot of rinse and repeat here You've seen the sharks before. You've seen sure. the whole uh, blowfish comparison. They, they rinsed it. They repeated it, and they got it right. They got I it right. I, I wish they had. They should have changed out Blowfield with this guy. Put Blowfield in this movie. Put this jabroni, and you only live twice. Might have been better. I'd like to see Blowfield in a fucking Atlantis. This guy just didn't have personality. I don't know what to say. There's I, no. I agree. I you you peel back the layers of this character, like all the all the things that come around him, right? His henchman, yeah. his layer, everything else. You peel that away from this guy, he is nothing. You peel it all away from Goldfinger, he's still a standalone, like great villain. Right. And you peel, you peel away peel away the funhouse and um, yes. Nick Nack from Scaramanga, he's still he's still a assassin. sick badass assassin. Oh, you, you, you peel all these other elements away from him. The guy sucks. You the know. guy sucks. I yeah. might even drop this score because of <laughs> I might he, I might drop it too, honestly. <laughs> he himself was the weakest part of it. His lair, his no, no, ideas. They went like, back, they looked they looked at everything and they basically were like, all right, we're gonna take Dr. No and make it correct. And that's what yeah. they did here. You know what? I'm dropping my score down. I put it at seven point five. He's going down to five point five. Just wow. you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. 3.5 above Dr. No. You're I'm, right. over. I'm gonna start issuing drug tests before the fucking podcast because you're clearly smoking. <laughs> So 5.5 is for the layer and the layer alone. This guy stinks. I was at a six. I'm going to keep it at a six. But it's all the problem is you have to deal with the fact that it's all encompassing, right? The villain and the layer are are one and the same. Which is why I scored him a six. Otherwise, he would be a fucking three or lower than that. (laughs) I'm at a 7.5. I mean, I disagree. I mean, look, this guy's got submarine tracing technology, submarine eating oil tankers. The only thing they don't do is they don't flush out the background of this guy's character. I, I would have liked to seen that a little bit so you at least you know, understand why this guy hates the world and wants an undersea world, an undersea universe. They, they don't ever flush that out. Like Goldfinger, they're able to do it with a couple of lines that if he contaminates the U.S. gold, the gold that he has illegally snuck in becomes worth billions in the 1960s. Easy plot. They could have done that with like three lines of dialogue, and that's where they failed. In Stromberg is an original character, so they could they had an open book. They could have made up any wacky story, and they missed a big opportunity. That's, that's the one part I think they missed in this character. 
Yeah, and honestly, I thought he was kind of stupid. He he just thought Bond was gonna fall for like the elevator, like floor falling out trick. And like Bond's like, oh, sorry. What did he say? Something like, oh, sorry to drop in or something. And then like he has what this tube underneath the the table that he's just gonna try to kill Bond with. Like this double O agent from like one of the best countries in the world is not gonna recognize. I don't. I thought he was kind of kind of not intelligent, like rich, but. Just not intelligent. I don't know. Said enough about him. I, I mean, I look, bon, Bond got knocked. Bond got knocked out by the, uh, the sleeping Listen. smoke in a cigarette. So yeah, he's really not that fucking intelligent. <laughs> I'm just trying to stir uh, Michael into a frenzy at this point. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna mute you, Trey. <laughs> you're gonna be banned going forward. You're gonna be dubbed like you're gonna be dubbed like half the villains in the early Bond movies. Yeah, we uh, we moving on to Bond girl. We are moving on to Bond Girl. I'm trying to queue up God. a. Uh, I'm trying to queue up a clip. It's just every clip available for this one is just not the quality of which I'm looking for. Listen. Well, finally, we can have a good discussion about something that's really good in the in the film, the Bond Girl. Yeah, and while her name isn't great, Triple X is awesome. A Russian agent, right? Yeah. I believe Anya Masova is... Sure, you know, it's realistic. It's realistic, yeah. It's, it's a Russian agent, right? Like, there's nothing special about James Bond, but you believe he's a British... Like, oh, that could be a British agent's name. Yeah. It's just... Uh, we've been factoring yeah. the Bond girl name. The triple yeah, X. Major Anya. Right. Yeah, I'm down with that. I, I can believe yeah. that. Yeah, I'm down with it, for sure. I just like um, the triple X. I, strong part. I loved her as the Bond girl in this film. I thought... Top I three mean, agreed. No, I scored a nine overall. I think, as I touched on before in the intro, you know, she's basically Bond in female form there, sleeping with the dude. There's a great scene when they're at the bar and they order the drinks, and each one of them knows what the other drinks, like before really yeah. knowing about each other. Like they obviously know of each other and, and their tendencies and shit like that. I thought that was fantastic. I thought Anya's line when they're in the Lotus, and she's like, well, yeah, I saw the plans for this card uh, two years ago. Yeah. Like, I thought that was a cool quip. I think she takes three box for a Bond girl for me. I supported a nine. For the gentleman, vodka martini, shaken, not stirred. Touche. I mean, how good is that? You know, great. How, you know, married only once, and he just puts her like just stops dead. Like yep. she's going straight for him on that one. I'm a I'm an eight point five on her. She might she could and would have been a top Bond girl, except for the fact that it's revealed that Bond kills her Russian lover. So I she decides that. that she's going to kill him, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we just pivot and she falls in love with Bond. I feel like they, they, and I get what happened. He saves her, Jaws on the train, things change. But yep. I feel like they should have probed that a little bit more. There should have been a little bit more tension there. I feel like they just went from, oh, yeah, I killed the guy that you love, and now you love me. And that was the real bump on that. But I think top to bottom, she is one of the best Bond girls, no question. I agree, I mean, Mike. She's got gadgets. Me. She's got gizmos. She is his equal. And actually, Al Foxes him at a few different occasions. Yep. That kept me from scoring our 10, honestly. Mm -hmm. The uh, the plot line with the Russian by that Bond killed being her lover. The fact that she was so quick to, to just kind of forget that element 
kept it from a 10. They went out of their way to have a whole scene where she said that we're on a mission, but when this is over, I'm going to kill you. Yep. And then they just went away from that. Yep. You know, the whole part about never failing a mission, the whole deal. Her score's on par with Tracy Bond for me. They're both nines, and there's one flaw about each of them that kept it from being scored a 10. Yep. Tracy being her name and Anya being this, uh, you know, the plot line that kind of just fell apart. Yep. She got over him quickly. And, like, she almost was not cast in the role. Like, three days before photography started, it was not cast. She auditioned for an extra, and they gave her the lead role. So, wow, there. But I had it at a 9.5, strong all the way around. And you never knew when she, if she was going to turn on him. Like, you did not know. And it was very suspenseful, my first watch. Yeah. Would y'all say, as far as all the Bond girls that we've seen so far, is she, like, the baddest one? Like, one that could, like, kick all the other Bond girls' ass? I think she could kick his ass if yeah. she did. Well, um, I'm, w- I'm with you there. I think, I think Pussy Galore had her own um, stake in that yeah. claim. Galore has a certain level of badass, but they yeah, went out of their way to make sure that they showed her they, as an equal. I mean, because... Is that dangerous? Like, most dangerous Bond girl? Yeah. To date? Yeah. Plus, I mean, plus she's got the backing of the KGB. Exactly. Like, you know. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, that can't go understated. Because yeah. you've got, I mean, because, you know, you've got two previous Bond girls, one primary, one non-primary, that were both CIA agents that had gone through Langley. So are we poking fun at the Americans' ability to train agents here? You've got Agent Triple X, and then you have Tatiana Romanova, who is tasked by the KGB, and she's relatively badass in and of herself. Yeah, but Tatiana was more of a clerk than I, an I, agent. I, I agree with you. My point is that the, the two women that are tasked... And you have fucking Goodnight, who's supposed to be an agent, too. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you had Goodnight and, um, and, and, yeah. and what's her name? The, uh... Tatiana. No, no, no. The other one that's technically supposed to be CIA agent. Tatiana um, Romanova. No, no, no. You had two. You had two CIA agents that we had seen. She wasn't a primary Bond girl. The one who died in the basement in a Thunderball, unnamed CIA agent. No, uh, that was Bond's assistant. What was the boat captain in uh, in Doctor No? Why can't I think of the guy's name? Coral. Yeah, the the scene Quarrel. with his son. Coral Junior. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, Rosie, I think. Yeah. Name. So R- Rosie is a CIA yeah. agent. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, it, it's embarrassing. Like Rosie and Goodnight are of Langley trained. Like, sorry, I couldn't remember Rosie's name, but like they they are CIA agents and they're disasters. And every every look at Felix Leiter is a disaster. But the two women that we have seen that have been tasked by the KGB, one being Triple X, who is a badass in and of herself. You know, and two, Tatiana Romanova, who is a clerk and is more badass than most of these people. Well, that's the point that I'm getting is that they kind of belittle Langley, like, you know, in general, in the tasking yeah. of these characters. Good point of view. Yeah. Never uh, thought, of, never went that deep into it. Barbara Bach was a smoke. Uh, another Beatles. The actress, casting. Barbara, Barbara Bach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Smoke, oh, yeah. Show. Went on to marry. Harry Ringo Starr. Yep. So we have some more Beatles uh, intertwined with uh, James Bond. Mm-hmm. Yep. I uh, I gave her, I think I'm with you, Supo. You said you gave her a 9.5. I think I gave her, yeah, I gave her a 9.5 as well. I think, honestly, I think she's number two behind Tracy for me. 
she's badass. She's hot. I mean, there's that inner conflict that she had that maybe we didn't get enough of that didn't pull her up to her 10. But I mean, at the end, she still pulls the gun on Bond and you're like, oh, fuck, is she about to pull the trigger? And mm-hmm. you see that camera pull, she's about to pull the trigger. And then Bond just pops the champagne and they start having sex. And that's the end of it. Like, and I mean, and, but at the end of the day, that's just James Bond, man. It's a great teaser at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. 9.5, I think she's number two for me. If not, maybe like this, like DJ said earlier, this movie, every single time I watch it, I like it more. And next year, I may put her number one. You know what I mean? Like, she's probably one of the best. I feel yeah. like I've been liking the movies more, too. Like, now that we're rewatching more critically, some I haven't seen in years, uh, even the ones I hated most, I'm yeah. enjoying besides Die Another Day. But <laughs> but I digress. Yeah. No, I, I think they ticked every box with this, this Bond girl, really. Yeah. Um, well done. Yes, the music. Perfect. Explosive hockey pucks, guys. Yeah, that's it. Hey, 70s porn music in the background of that yes. shit. Like, Perfect. In a little yeah. 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 Um, quintessential chase and fight scene can go hand in hand with the guns, cars, gadgets here, but we'll yes. we'll talk guns and gadgets. I mean, Wet Nelly. That's what that's what they're referencing as the whole time yeah. is Wet Nelly. That's what they were talking about. Lotus, the, uh, Lotus couldn't even keep up when they had like a movie. Three, three year backlog because of this movie. Well, apparently they just fucking dropped it off at the set as as a test car. They're just like, oh, like. Let's just drop off this prototype and see if it fucking flies. And they just parked it on the fucking lot. Was it? Is this like England's response to like the DeLorean? Because that's what I think of when I see this car is the De- a DeLorean. It's the basis for uh, Doctor Claw's underwater car and Inspector Gadget. Yes, <laughs> no question. I remember always seeing it too, like random car shows as a kid. So thinking back, I did see this before Austin Powers because I saw this fucking car at a car show at the Expo Center. I just love all the Italian people yelling on the beach when it comes driving out. Yeah. I'm sky high here. I'm a 9.5 just because I can't give it – I just – I can't seem to give it 10. I just it, – it's just not in my DNA at this point. By far, this is the best movie for guns, cars, and gadgets. There's lots of them. They're practical. They're realistic. Triple X has the music box. Bond's got the little – Watch Ski Pole Gun, Atlantis, the microfilm, the microfilm reader. You know, she's got the knockout cigarette, you know, the underwater submarine stuff. It's like what they had in Thunderball, just done properly. The motorcycle that's chasing them, the sidecar is actually a bomb. You got a submarine tracker. I mean, and Wet Nelly is the jet ski, not the, the car. Oh, okay. Jets. He gets a jet ski shipped to him in a bag. I mean, Stromberg's got the gun under the table. Yeah. I mean, top to bottom, there's there's gadgets littered throughout, and they're not so ridiculous that they're not believable when you're watching. Like, you don't bump on them going, all right, what the hell is this? Like, when you watch most of the stuff during Die Another Day. Stupid, you're going to need to make another uh, – you're going to need another chart about how many times we shit on Die Another Day going forward. <laughs> but uh, I, um, the escape pod, right? The escape pods carry 1952 Dom Perignon. Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned about the wet bike. This is the first time like the world was introduced to jet skis, and yeah. 
big influence there. Well, we're going to talk about this a little bit in the quotes, but this also goes to Bond villain. Even Bond shits on fucking what's his name because he's like, oh, maybe I under underestimated him. He's got the Dom Perignon 52. Like, <laughs> yes. you know, even Bond is like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. No, but Guns, Cars, Gadgets, 8.5 for me. Well done overall, Mike. I think you you covered most of the, the good points there. Yeah, I, I ran through them, but... Yeah, it was it was a solid performance in the, the technology department here for for this film. Yeah, I gave it I gave it most of the car though. I mean, the car with literally fucking everything. I mean, it has the missile coming out, taking out the helicopter, which I'm I'm assuming we have a clip of. We'll get to that. Micro film really didn't do shit, right? It was there, but it really didn't do much. Yeah, it, but it goes under. It's a fucking summering, so this car's going underwater. There's pieces from previous movies that were redone. You only live twice in the helicopter chase. They kind of redid that here, and they did it great. It was done so yeah. well. The helicopters, it's actually believable, and it turns out it's actually a, a, a woman. You know, the, the woman that Bond was flirting with previously is flying the helicopter, trying to kill him. It's so low to the ground because stunts have gotten better. Um, you know, It's just so much better done. Well, I, I, I like that chase scene too. I like going uh, only I like it. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm saying this was taken. Yeah. This was done better. They took it and they made it better. But as far as the gadgets, I mean, Bond opening scene of the movie, we see the first gadgets his watch, where it's like tell him, hey, give like we need you. Coming out of the little facts coming out of his watch, yeah. which is pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, that's one of the low key gadget that we see at the very beginning of the film that I kind of enjoyed, honestly. Uh, added to the opening credits but this car i think this car is easily top five if not top three i i think it's top three for sure yeah Um, it's without doubt listen if you if you want to make a comparison of like i mean we'll talk about henchmen and that after this but i would say this lotus is to the aston martin is what jaws is to ajab you know, it's like yeah, almost interchangeable at, for me. I like the Aston Martin better. Well, I like the DB5 better. You like Odd Job better too. So the, the you know, DB5 but but it's well, a close I, second. It's I, a close second. I like Jaws better than Odd Job. I think. I think. All right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Aston we'll Ma- get there. We'll, job that's, that's the next category. We can talk <laughs> about it. But uh, one more gadget we missed: the hookah gun. That was pretty cool. The hookah gun. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm looking at. I don't know what I scored. Odd Job. Well, let's get to it. Amazing scene, by the way, Mike. Good point. Good point. Oh, yeah. Great depth of Again, the music on point. All right. So during these scenes, there was an Egyptian government minister on site at all times to to make sure that they did not defame the Egyptian culture. So when the scene the later on, when they say Egyptian I builders, the sun when the stuff falls on Jaws, on the far they dumped it later and put it out without ever telling you. Shooter, I believe you forgot your nine iron. <laughs> How often do you think Jaws has to sharpen those teeth? Yeah, he just like, like 10 minutes. Just go under a wheel, he just like opens his mouth and just... Yeah, tinfoil? Ten, just oh, yeah. That's what they use in some scenes. I gave I gave this category the for the henchman 9.0, which I looked the same. I gave odd job. I, I think everyone else takes a back seat when we're looking at this category when it comes to Jaws, because Jaws is 
top three, if not one of the best henchmen there ever is in a Bond film. I mean, is a multi movie henchman. Agree. You have Na- you have Naomi as well, which I guess will fall into this category. Who's a smoke, yep. and who is badass in her own way. So I don't want to overlook her. But when we talk about this movie, I'm not thinking about Naomi. I'm thinking about Jaws, and that introduction is way better than what we got with Oddjob. <laughs> way, way <I> agree. better. <laughs> I mean, and, and you take that with the fact Oddjob is. I mean, uh, Jaws is tasked with doing things. He yeah. pretends to be a telephone repairman. He sneaks into the building and kills guys and then sneaks out the windows and get away. For such sure. a huge guy, like, he's capable of doing multiple, multiple things. He's not just driving Goldfinger around and throwing hats. He's a, a sent-out killer. Independently. Killer with his teeth biting yeah. people's necks. Which is both ridiculous, but also totally believable. Yeah. It, it's harder to fathom a guy throwing a metal brim hat across a parking lot and taking somebody's head off. Sure. This guy's got some type of steel, aluminum, titanium, antimantium, whatever metal. But, you know, if you're going to take that metal and you're going to bite into somebody's jugular, yeah, you're probably going to kill him. Yeah. Trey, I I agree that Naomi can't be overlooked, but I also think the Minister of Defense, Frederick Gray, and the KGB General Gogol. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to play a part in future films as well now. So, overall... Jaws leads the way for this supporting cast, but it's strong. Real strong. Yeah. Like the Navy uh, sailors, like he aligns with at the end, like after he saves them. Yeah. They're of use at the end. He had good backing. Uh, even some cue at the beginning with uh, giving him the car. Probably was pissed off about the giant fish that somehow got in the car, but somehow we skipped that on guns, cars, and gadgets. But like a solid backing all around on his side and against him. Yeah. Would y'all say... Is Jaws the most recognizable? I think he might be one of the most recognizable bad guys in any Bond film. Like, ask the average fan. Sure. I, think I mean, they name five bad guys. Him versus like actual Bond villains, from henchman to Bond villain, I would say he's probably the most recognizable. Like, name I, five I, bad guys in a Bond movie. I think Jaws would be on most people's list. When I think of this film, I think of Jaws before I think about yeah. um, what's his Anybody, name? Anybody, anything. Stromberg, yeah. Yeah. This is not Jaws's only movie as a henchman. Sure. Jaws comes back. Yeah. And this goes back to my point where I score other, like, for villains. You can't have the henchman out, outdo you. Yeah. Goldfinger doesn't let it happen with Odd Job, but this jabroni lets it happen with Jaws. Absolutely. It's, it's the same thing about, like, Baron Samedi, right? Yes. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily put him in the same category as Odd no. Job and Jaws, but he's probably a, just a tier yeah. below. Well, sure. then do we, well, then do you, do you apply the same logic to Golden Gun, where Nick Knack out-survives Scaramanga? No. No, no, because he doesn't no. outshine him. Okay. Right. Scaramanga is on a different planet than Nick Knack. I, th- I think me and DJ kind of scored that similar. Nick yeah. Knack did nothing for me. No, he was, he was comedic relief. And the world, kind of, at that time. I was an 8.5 overall, supporting cast, henchmen, although the whole boat, I thought it was a strong, strong uh, addition to the film. That's a low score. I was 7.5 on that. I'm a notoriously low scorer anyway, so 8.5 is actually a pretty solid score for me. I'm going 8.5, bumping it up a bit. And I was reading that, like, at the end of the movie, the audience was very happy that Jaws did make it out, and he got an applause, so that's very rare for a bad guy, a villain, a henchman to win over the crowd. And I love the Jaws versus Jaws scene where he bit the shock. That was so, pretty cool. 
that makes more sense as to when we're going to the next movie, why they ruined him. Trey, this was the highest score to date for my supporting cast and henchmen. At wow. Wow. Yep. So in comparison, it's the Kudos. best one uh, to date. Kudos. Yeah. Listen, I, I, love that little, I love that little look between Bond and Naomi, too. I saw that uh, yeah. that inspired the National Lampoon's movie with uh, Chevy Chase and Christy Brinkley <laughs> when he gave her the wink while driving down the road. Did it? That's awesome. Uh, I, I trust uh, people on the internet. What could be wrong? Listen, the, the chase had everything, right? It had motorbikes, car chase, helicopter, underwater. Yeah. It was great. It had, it had every aspect you know, that you can think of in this one sequence of, of chasing. Yeah, and we see our first villain death, too. He's underwater. He's like, let's get rid of this yep. jabroni, and we're going to fire this missile up and destroy the helicopter. I mean, that's freaking awesome. Another tick up to this Lotus. But yeah. I gave it a 8.2. We got some solid Bond fights with Jaws as well in this movie. I think we got two or three. Fight scenes with Bond and Jaws. That you, are, got, you got the train fight, and then yeah. you've got the Bond and Triple X fight in the pyramids. Well, you have you have the yeah you have the fight at like the ruins kind of that yep. led to the other car chase in that yeah. van with Triple X and Bond in his lair too. The Atlantis. There's a small fight there as well. And yep. I think this is the more quintessential of them, right? Because. And wh why is he keeping his mouth open? Close your mouth. Google, did you read the facts about I'm not okay. sure what fact you just mentioned, but go ahead. What happened? He just dropped in for a quick bite. That's so bad. So there was a whole continuity thing about electrical transfer that, like, because Bond was touching him, if he actually zapped Jaws, Bond would have gotten electrocuted too. Bond is shoving his hand in his face. Like, why doesn't Jaws just, like, chomp a finger off or some shit? Yeah. Close your mouth. That's yeah. why I couldn't, I couldn't bring this up to a nine because of that one little instance. I don't know. That's, that's where it lost me. But still. Yeah, I'm, I'm an 8.0 here. I mean, the – the chase scenes really drive this. The fight scenes are good, but obviously not as good as the chasing. You've got the car motorcycle battle into the car helicopter battle into yeah. the underwater scene. One, two, three. Fantastic. And then we haven't even talked about the fact that this movie has the number one body count of the entire movie because inside of the submarine eating ship, there's just a straight up skirmish of bombs and machine guns and hand grenades of people just getting killed left and right. Okay, like, we haven't even touched that yet. There's a, like They were only able to total 150 deaths in this movie, which is like 100 more than any other Bond movie. That was in my conclusions points, so we'll yeah. get to that. <laughs> well, I mean, like, there's multiple fight scenes as part of that. Yeah. I put that in there as a fight scene. Yeah. We alluded to it earlier, the beginning ski chasing, fantastic. 
Yeah. You know, these underwater chase scenes underwater, scuba divers that. <laughs> yeah. Hits him, hits him with the car underwater. That's yeah. my favorite death scene. Call, call your insurance agent. I was an 8.5 for all that. I thought I thought it was fantastic. Most of these scenes were were good and integral to the film. They they didn't like just they weren't just obscure. They weren't too long. Everything was just kind of well placed and done very well. Basically, this score was on par with Goldfinger for me as as far as chase and fight scenes go. I was at an 8.0 as well, and we did miss that one scene where I think the car uh, Jaws's car crashed through the guy's house with all the feathers. Somebody made the comment, like, all those feathers and you still can't fly. Countless car chases, countless fights. Now, where do we where do we put the Jaws versus the shark fight? Is that in conclusion? You want to put that here? That's a conclusion. Okay. Yeah, because uh, we'll com- well, I'm commenting now. Jaws has got to be, and I didn't mention earlier, he's got to be the best swimmer of all time. <laughs> yeah. He's, I mean, the guy's dumped in the middle of the ocean just <laughs> – and then somehow ends up in space. So who the fuck knows? Yeah, this is adding on to my henchman score that we that we didn't mention. But this guy's Michael Phelps as well. I mean, like he's in the middle of the ocean, he survives. Yeah, he's got to be weighed yeah. down by all that metal too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not sure what movie it was. It was this or Moonraker. Which one did he set off the like the metal detectors at the airport and he just smiled? Moonraker. Moonraker. I think it's Moonraker. They ruined him in Moonraker. I can't wait to talk about that, how they ruined him. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to rip that one apart. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. The next episode. The next episode. <laughs> All right. Uh, quotes. We, ta- we talked about it previously. This is where we're starting to get better with the quotes for Roger Moore. This is what yeah. he's the best at, right? He dropped in for a quick bite. Uh, we just watch that. Mm-hmm. Gotta go, love. Something's come up. <laughs> <laughs> yep well like he his a uh, annual Q have I ever let you down frequently <laughs> frequently and and that's another point we got Q back yeah you got Q back on location on location we didn't, we didn't mention that earlier but we got Q back guys I yep. love that he's out of the lab in the next few movies and he's actually on location Spices up yes. the character and his uh, gadgets. Right. I talked about it a little bit about how Bond was slighting his opponent here, but he does tip the cap to the Dom Perignon 52 again. So, like, when he's not drinking a martini, he's obviously drinking Dom Perignon. <laughs> Everything else is, like, caviar and champagne or a martini. What about him saying to pull him out immediately? And oh, they, yeah. immediately, yep. they immediately go to Bond having sex. Yeah. Pull Break. out immediately. Pull them out immediately. Bond's Break. having yeah, sex. Miss Judge Any man who drinks Dom Perignon 52 can't be all bad. <laughs> yep. Let's get out of these wet things. Let's get out of these wet clothes into a dry martini. <laughs> yes. Oh, ho! we got to get you out of those wet clothes and into a dry martini. What? I said, oh, martini? Get away from me. All right. Yeah, fantastic. Like, oh, a dry martini. <laughs> There's going to be people who listen to this have no idea what that is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we can have a reference page. <laughs> yeah. Quotes seven for me. I think uh, Roger Moore hit all his points. You know, there's nothing that's going to be kind of lasting in this film like there is in Goldfinger or but some pretty good ones 
can't you can't fault it. Great, great film. Lots of laughs, like seven point five, keeping the British end up pull out immediately. Same exact same quotes I was gonna say, Supal. And I also gave it a seven point five. And like we do have that uh MI six uh spying at the end with good old good old M. But we also found out during this movie that M stands for Miles. Yeah. Yes. This M. This M. This M. Correct. Um we're, conclusions. We're conclusions, villain death. Podcast here. Because for those that will actually watch the video, they'll learn that my little dog here is sitting with a bow tie on because we're on talking about James Bond. Love that. To wrap it up. Deaths. What do y'all think? Conclusion, villain deaths. Like the battle scene was awesome. Like you said, just pure carnage, explosion, yeah. gunshots. He's on that giant brass ball. That's something, something. It, well, it was a fucking bomb. It was yeah. just it wasn't a brass ball. It was a oh, fucking camera. He sent no, the like, bomb to the camera. He, no, he took he took the bomb with him on yeah, top he, of he it. He took the explosion, but, he took the explosive out of the nuke onto right. the floating camera with him and turned the camera into a bomb. Right. We're about the fact that Jaws just we're uh, five minutes overdue, Captain. A killing machine and just bit it to death. Hey, he's he's the best swimmer on the planet. Apparently, we've talked about this. You know, he can outswim a shark. He can fucking wrestle with one in the water. He's a real quint. Yeah, and is that a callback to like like a a shot like off to the movie Jaws? Because this guy's name's Jaws. And he's biting a shark. I think uh, they're getting uh, Jaws was hot in around like 1975, 76. So they had a few sequels. So I'm sure there was some. Uh, it's got to be some kind of inspiration there. I mean, flash forward to sharing some you know ideas, but Spielberg was one of the names thrown out to uh, direct this film, and he was rapping Jaws at the time. So who knows? I mean, I think of Jaws. I think of the movie, and I think of this guy. So yeah. I'm an idiot. Like when my cousin came over with the VHS t- tape in like 97, 98, he's like, Jaws is in it. I'm expecting James Bond to be fighting the fucking shark from Jaws. <laughs> I was not disappointed though. Maybe um, for like five seconds. I gave it, I gave it a 7.5 guys. I thought it was pretty solid. Honestly, I already told you my favorite death was Bond running over the guy in the water. I'm, I'm assuming that guy's dead. I'm just, I don't know. I thought all the death scenes in, underneath the water were fantastic. I thought him shooting the missile, destroying the helicopter. I'm not as high on the ending of like the him killing the uh, Schomburg at the end. Michael is. Uh, I think it's you know it's good. It's not great. I thought it was a weak death for your yeah. your biggest villain in the film. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's okay. But I think like the conclusion of him like ending with the Bond girl and the water and. MI6 is watching. This is the first of like many that they'll do, but this is the original one. So I thought it was good. Where's Anya? Well, well, well. A British agent in love with a Russian agent. Detente indeed. Big Tabasco sauce guy. Two moves in a row with the Tabasco. Big, big time placement. Your time's running out, Stromberg. I mean, look at that pipe. You see it underneath the table. And faster than you think. I mean, this is just ruthless. Yeah, it is. Shot your boat, Stromberg. Now it's my turn. All right, so that's your classic Bond death. This is where this gets bigger, right? He's two shots. Three, four from point blank. 
Now, Stromberg's death, obviously, wasn't Why does he have to go back under the table to shoot him like that? Why couldn't yeah. he just fucking off him like that to begin with? I mean, look, he didn't have to use the same fucking tube. Look, there aren't there aren't many Bond scenes going forward where Bond puts four bullets into one guy out of anger. Let's talk about that for a second. Bond is usually is pretty uh, astute marksman. So that's a dude that's pretty fucking pissed off to put four bullets in this guy. And what I appreciate about the fact is it's a one-on-one, mano-a-mano, even though it's not really a fair fight. You get a straight-up one-on-one villain death. It's not done in a cheesy way where he's thrown into hot water. It's Bond just straight-up shoots this guy and then shoots him again and again and again. He well, he needed to because the shot through the tube is not a kill shot. Yeah, it's shooting his balls off. Yeah. yeah, like... <laughs> and then he shoots the second one, and then two more. But what I'm saying is, why didn't he just shoot him to begin with? Like, why do you have to go back under the table to shoot him through the tube? He yeah. already dove away from the fucking bullet that came fired through the tube. He could have just went around the table and did the fucking shot from there. I will admit, he looks damn good doing it. I love him yeah. in that uniform doing it. I kind of maybe add this more to his performance, uh, going to Roger Moore. The death stinks, but Roger Moore's performance, performing it, is good. Uh, it adds like a little bit of a darker side to Roger Moore's Bond that we haven't seen before. Yeah, you definitely get a darker side of Bond here. Bond doesn't put four bullets into somebody. Bond is a trained assassin with license to kill. The guy only needs one bullet. So he puts four in there. You got a guy that's pissed off. The agent who he doesn't like, who he ends up having sex with, is talking about his dead ex-wife at one point in this movie. Like, let's call that what it is. Until we get to Daniel Craig probably later on, this is a dark bond. Brosnan yeah. was a little dark in GoldenEye. He wasn't... Uh, a little bit. Dalton was dark. Dalton was dark in License very to dark. Kill. Yeah. License to Kill was a pretty dark movie. When I'm, I was scoring this... I'm a 7.5 there. I was, I was very polarized here Seven for, for me. I was a six. I thought there were some very good scenes in this conclusion wrapping up. Yeah. Most of that is what we talked about, where in comparison to You Only Live Twice, where, again, you have to storm the control room, take control of what's going on. This scene was well done. The whole coming in on the, the camera, putting the bomb there, actually defusing the bomb, first of all, yep. was a good scene. And believable. Bond's like, well, you got you to gotta try everything once, right? So Right. Basically playing a glorified nuclear version of Operation, right, to get yep. this thing out. Yep. Blows up the, the door to get into the control room, gets in there. But here's, here's where that whole ordeal lost me. The plan to explode both of those nuclear ships in the ocean, like, you're still getting nuclear oh. fucking... Like, I mean, they, they, still, they still blew up nukes in the middle of the ocean. The of the ocean. They're like, yes. what the fuck? <laughs> 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 i mean it, it, yeah they didn't hit fucking landfall but you know any any good all gust that, of wind you're getting all this nuclear material blowing onto the fucking yeah. coast or whatever all the wildlife just forget about that yeah well <laughs> like the hackensack river yeah yeah that i was just like that that lost me a little bit i was like well fuck all right that's another and, dark part of the movie yeah <laughs> and and i was um i was weak on the the jaws scene just like yeah I understand, like, I do like that he got away. I don't think Jaws really needed to die in this film, which flash forward to one film later, he, he reappears, but I don't think he need. It, it wasn't a necessity in this film for him to die. Yeah, I don't think so, but I wish he would have 
because of what happens in the next film. I it would have saved. It would have saved him a disgrace. Yes, yes, yeah. it would have saved him a disgrace. Because we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Next but, episode. Next episode. I think he still does good in the next episode. I just think the writers ruin him. We have the Roger Moore era where people get reused. J.W. Yeah. Pepper, Jaws, Octopussy. We see people twice. Why so. couldn't we fucking reuse Kareem Bay? Yeah. Oh, we have him. counter. Hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. We fucking reuse J.W. Pepper. We can't fucking yeah. reuse Kareem Bay. It says eight. I set you up for the alley-oop, and you got it. Double seven. Triple X. Vaughn, what do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Yes. I love that version of the song at the end, too. That was a great touch. Yeah. That's, uh, that's probably my favorite quote of the movie. I, I like the pull-out part. That's also very good. All right. Yeah. DJ, you want to wrap us up with some scores? Trey, I agree. Keeping the British end up is, is a great quote. I think yeah. we all had some uh, updates to our in the... Yeah. yeah. I mean, just, just stop me along the way. I tried well, to, to keep it a little uh, best as possible as the conversations happen, but if anything's different, just let me know. Um, did, you, did you get mine about changing the villain down two points because he stunk? Yep, yeah, I got that. I, I updated that, that one. That is funny. Um, did you get mine about uh, Trey's ban from the podcast going forward? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll start with you, Trey. I got you here. Plotted an 8.5. Bond performance, 8.5. Bond villain, 5.5. Bond girl, 9.5. Guns, cars, gadgets, an 8. Opening sequence, 9.8. Supporting cast, a 9. Chase fight scene, 8.2. Quotes, a 7.5. And conclusions and deaths, 7.5. Yeah. That rounds you out to an 82. Yes. All right. Wow. Uh, soup. I got you here. Plot as an 8.5. Bond performance, 8.5. Bond villain, an 8. Bond girl, 9.5. Guns, cars, gadgets, a 7. Song opening sequence, a 10. Supporting cast, 7.5. Chase fight scene, an 8. Quotes, a 7.5. Conclusions and deaths, a 7. And a total of 81.5. Anything changed there, Soup? Uh, yes, there were some slight changes. I ended up with an 83.0. If you do a quick refresh on Google Docs, the changes were with some gadgets, some... Uh quotes in some chase scene but i ended with an 83 cars gadgets is a 7.5 for you now so that's 0.5 higher and then you said what else was changed so going down to list i have 8.5 for plot 8.5 oh, wait bond villain he lowered his bond villain score look at that 7.5 <laughs> worry i'll fix it it was a reasonable <laughs> deduction i didn't go a full two points below yeah yeah, let's see. Supporting cast henchman, he went up one point. So it went from a 7.5 to an 8.5. Strong arguments on Jaws, which I'm reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, song is still a 10. Chase scene, 8. Quotes, 7.5. Conclusion, that's 7.5. All right. So you said 83 total? According to my math. Yeah, I've got you at an 83 then. And then Mike. Plot, 8.5. Bond performance, 8.5. Bond villain, a 10. No, you I'm sorry. That one, you got that one wrong. It's actually 300 in order to uh, <laughs> yours. Bond villain, a, a 10? 
Yeah. Bond villain is at an 8.5. 1 billion. <laughs> Bond girl, an 8.5. Guns, cars, gadgets, 9.5. Song opening sequence, 9.5. Mm-hmm. Supporting cast, 7.5. Chase fight scene, an 8. Quotes, a 6.5. Conclusions, death, 7.5. You're missing my, uh, I get an extra category called the trade differential for his stupid <laughs> scoring, so I get 3.5 there. Nice. um everything else accurate there yeah all right and then for me plot i had a seven bond performance an eight bond villain a six bond girl a nine guns cars gadgets an 8.5 song and opening sequence a nine supporting cast an 8.5 chase fight scene an 8.5 quotes a seven conclusions and deaths a six uh so that brings our totals here fellas Pretty, pretty freaking good for what we've scored so far. Uh, Supel's got it at the highest at an 83. Mike is second, close second at 82.5, and Trey at an 82. I was at a 77.5 because damn, what an I'm, asshole! I'm just an overall low ranker. I don't know. Yeah, and nothing pleases you, DJ. Nothing like what pleases you. I don't know. I I, I don't give out tens what? often. I'm just. I'm just overall low, but and when you talk about in comparison, at least for me, every category but the Bond performance and the Bond villain were in the top five of the, you know, what we've scored thus far. So that's crazy to get three different people with different mindsets be within one point one percent of each other. Scored against itself, it's a good movie. This is one of my favorites. It's a top five for me. Against itself, it scores higher than Goldfinger, but Goldfinger will be ranked ahead of it because I like Goldfinger as a movie better. And, and that's part of the, the way we set this up. It's scored against itself. Goldfinger's a, you know, Goldfinger, to me, is a more important movie It's for, for its cachet, for all of it. This will score individually higher, but it won't rank I score higher. Goldfinger higher. Same. I thought I thought the Bond villain and the uh, Bond performance were both higher. Uh, yep. The plot I had higher. Yeah. Um, I think I had gadgets higher. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I mean, listen, Goldfinger I scored an eighty-two point five, and Spy Who Loved Me was seventy-seven point five, and those were the top two so far that we've scored for me. Yeah. Say, so I think I only have Goldfinger higher than this one so far. Uh, I'll have to double check that, but. Guys, this is going to be top three, top five for me. This is going to be, I'd say, between this, maybe like GoldenEye, which I alluded to earlier, that, and maybe Casino Royale, some Daniel Craig movies I, I, that I'll have to rewatch. But this is double, like top five, easily. I'm with you, Trey. I really thought that For Marshall with Love was going to be up there for me, and this just blew it out of the water. I was I was high on for Marshall with Love. I thought that was going to be kind of flirting with my top five, but Spy Who Loved Me on the rewatch absolutely crushed it. Yeah, uh, I, mean, look, I, I think we're all I think we're all in agreement, right? It's this, it's the Living Daylights, it's Die Another Day, it's View to a Kill in the top echelon of Bond movies. Never Say Never Again, right? The Connery, you know, the Connery remake of Thunderball by somebody that was not Cubby Broccoli, obviously. I, I think this Bond villain, this Bond villain, would fit well in those movies. Sure, yeah, you keep telling. <laughs> um, listen, I mean, overall, overall, I think you know, the Spy Who Loved Me is is what Roger Moore can fucking hang his hat on. 
Sure. Um, a great film overall. Um, you know, there's there's no real big takeaways. I mean, obviously, we debated the villain a lot, but there are tons of worse Bond villains in the series. Yes. Um, I, yes. I mean, look, and the, and the most important part about this whole thing here is um, the previous movie did not do well in the theaters. It didn't do well in theaters. It didn't do well by critics. Golden Gun? Uh, Golden Gun did not okay. do well. And Spy Who Loved Me is the movie that is attributed to uh, saving the Bond franchise. Because Golden Gun, it just, it didn't, it didn't perform well commercially. People were pretty much over Bond at that point. And they, you know, they, they got their shit together and they put out a very good quality movie with a lot of good quality characters and a lot of good quality acting that saved the series going forward. Because had they put out another, sh another commercial stinker, if they followed Man with the Golden Gun with another, you know, You Only Live Twice, it probably would have been the end of the Bond franchise. And instead, they got their act together and they put out The Spy Who Loved Me and were able to save this for another 30 years. So it is a, an important and crucial turning point in the Bond franchise, first and foremost. I wouldn't say another 30 years. Brosnan saved it the second time. Yeah, I mean, but, but, but they were able to continue it. Yeah. It's still going. It could have died in 75 or 77. Right. It was dead, dead 30 years ago. It could have died after Timothy Dalton's like, dispute after. Right. I mean, it basically did die. Brosnan had to resuscitate yep. it and bring it back. But... And if Golden I would have flopped at the yep. end, maybe. It was nominated for three Oscars, guys. This wasn't like Oh, this was a great one. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, I think I think top to bottom, this this film had it all, right? Yeah. You had a little bit of drama, it had a action, it had like yeah. you had you had some really strong characters, you had strong enough plot. And the song. They went through things that weren't that were good but not totally flushed out and actually flushed out some of those ideas. You know, they retread some concepts, but they were still they were done just better. Yeah. Nobody does it better, right? Yeah. This this Nobody movie does it better. It nailed it, it nailed the Bond girl. More did a James Bond by did the a good did a great job as James Bond. Yeah, we'll see. And had a great song. All it needed was just, you know, a good villain. <laughs> this movie gave us some of the greatest you know covers and parodies and we'll close it with this danger powers personal effects actually my name is austin powers it says here name danger powers no 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 danger's my middle name okay austin very like danger angry. powers the first one email. blue crushed velvet suit hey all right one frilly lace cravat there it is one silver medallion with male symbol one pair of italian boots Bonjour, Bonjour. one Bonjour.